Hey, welcome back. I'm Ashley Soppy, your hostess for the Sharpen Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut. Mammut is designed and developed in the Swiss Alps, and they've been making the finest alpine equipment since 1862. They're driven by a continuous quest for innovation. They have technical clothing, footwear, climbing gear, avalanche safety and alpine equipment, and they're all distinguished by the highest quality, functionality, and safety. They embody Swiss technology and perfection. Mammut, absolute alpine. I'd like to thank Vertical Medicine Resources and the Colorado Hourbound School for also being contributing sponsors of The Sharp End. A lot of my climber friends are skiers too, and so this month I'm doing an episode on a backcountry skiing incident. I was talking to my friend Josh about the show, and he asked if he can give my listeners a special offer. Josh runs an online ski store called BigSkiSale.com. What do you have for us, Josh? Hi, Ashley. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I've been listening to the sharp end here since the very beginning, and I think it's just such an amazing service to the climbing world. Uh, Like you... I know a lot of climbers who also ski, so when I heard that this episode was going to be about skiing, I was inspired to contribute to the skiers in your audience by hooking them up with a discount code to ski gear on my website. I started BigSkiSale.com in 2006. It's a boutique-style ski shop that focuses on mid- to high-end ski equipment, and I just try to give all my customers as much personal attention as possible which is actually pretty easy because I'm my only employee. Uh, yeah, so all Sharp End listeners out there can take an extra 10% off my current sale prices. So everything's already on sale, but you can take 10% extra. I ship for free, and we've got it all. Skis, boots, helmets, you name it. So just type in the Sharp End as your coupon code uh, at the checkout on BigSkiSale.com, and there you have it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Josh. I took a break editing this episode, and I came upon an article from the Anchorage Daily News reporting on an accident that occurred in Palmer, Alaska. On November 22nd, north of Anchorage, outside of Palmer, one skier was killed and two more survived an avalanche on a Hatcher Pass backcountry ski run Wednesday afternoon. Palmer emergency crews, as well as troopers and state park rangers, responded to the avalanche report that first came in around 2.30 p.m. Three skiers, with beacons, were descending when the snow broke loose. A male skier was caught in the avalanche, while the other two skied free. The other two skiers were able to locate the third skier with the beacon, get the person out of the snow, and unsuccessfully attempt a CPR. A helicopter tried to land but couldn't due to the weather, so there will be an attempt to recover his body tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. When I read the article, I thought that it was Tyler. I thought that it was a person that I interviewed one week ago about him getting in an avalanche at the same place. I called him about 10 times, really super concerned that it was him. And he answered the phone. Here's Tyler to tell you his story. 
So uh, my name is Tyler. I'm from Juneau. Uh, I grew up skiing and hiking and doing all the typical kind of Alaska outdoor things there, uh, fishing and hunting and that kind of stuff. Um, I kind of got into backcountry skiing more after college, kind of 2009, 2010 was when I took Avalanche Level 1 and then have probably backcountry skied a little bit more every year ever since then. Um, We'd kind of consider usually myself among the more careful of my peer group uh, as far as the, the skiers that are that I go around with, um, but also I tend to go out with people that know more than I do and have more experience. And when you say careful, you mean conservative in the backcountry? Yeah, I would say that's that's probably a better word is conservative, yeah. Okay, and when you're out with those people who maybe know more than you, um, are you asking them questions? Are you being intentional about sort of owning your experience of learning more when you're out when you're out there with those people? Mm, sometimes, sometimes not. I mean, I'm definitely always looking for good tidbits of knowledge from people, but uh, I think uh, a heuristic trap I will fall into from time to time is to put the expert halo on people. Uh, I think today's story definitely has a little bit of a learning point with that to it as well. Oh, yeah, okay. So the expert halo sort of someone has more experience than you and you sort of just take the back seat like you're being guided exactly yeah okay okay well i i um i heard about this story via social media and um you and i have known each other well i lived in juno for five years and you and Uh i met there um and uh-huh. and then you moved to Anchorage where I was born and raised and then you actually moved into my my house when you were going to school, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, yep. Then, and man, I that, haven't that was seen... a fun turn of events. <laughs> yeah, like I come home when you're living there, I'm like, Hey, cool, <laughs> this is awesome. Um but, <laughs> but um I haven't actually talked to you for a couple of years. I think it's been at least yeah. maybe two years, hey? Yeah, something like that. Um, so you've been skiing and going to school and, um, and I, and I heard of this accident or incident a couple of days ago, um, like early November. Um, and I was pretty shocked that, um, I recognized the name. I was like, oh my gosh, Tyler Smoker. I know Tyler Smoker. He was my roommate. Um, uh-huh. and really happy to hear that you're okay. And, um, I'm eager to hear the full story. So I think there's a little bit of background that's useful for, for this story. And um, one is that uh, I'm someone who mostly skis the ski area, but has done probably a little more backcountry every year. But since moving up to Anchorage in the last couple of years, have skied in the backcountry a lot more, um, just for a variety of reasons. Uh, there's a lot more of it up here, and there's more access to it, uh, which is awesome. But... Uh, skied primarily in Turnigan Pass in the last couple of years. And then this season decided to go up to Hatcher Pass uh, at the beginning of the year because they were the first place with snow. So we figured we'd go try it out. Um, so the day of the accident on uh, October 28th was my first day ever skiing at Hatcher's, which is definitely a, a teaching point of the story as well. Um, 
so basically it was pretty nice day high overcast a couple friends and i decided to go out to got to go ski hatchers they'd skied there the weekend before um neither of them had skied there a heck of a lot uh, i think they had only one had skied there two or three days maybe four and the other one had skied there one or two days before um so all fairly new to the area um and we you know had a our typical kind of morning all excited it's my first day of skiing of the season so i'm super pumped and Scanning up the mountain, it's beautiful. We go up towards Hatch Mountain and ski kind of down into the little bowl there. How much um, snow is there at Hatcher's Pass right now? Um, probably about well in the parking lot, about a foot, uh, and then you know progressively more as you got up into the mountains. It's been snowing again the last week or so, so there's probably um, a consistent layer of a couple feet now. Although in some places it's only a few inches because of all the wind effect. So we made our first little run and then decided that we'd, um, we kind of came back to a little, a little saddle. That's a pretty, uh, well-used kind of crossover point there. Um, and then went up to the top of April bowl. What, as- and, what aspects are, are you skiing here? Um, April bowl, I believe is a more, uh, northerly aspect. Okay. Um, and, uh, it is worth noting that we'd seen a smaller, very shallow slide, um, kind of on the further part of the bowl from where we had made our first run. Um, but we decided that it was probably safer where we were going to ski because it was a different aspect, uh, a lower angle. Um, and it didn't look like it had been as wind affected. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. also worth noting that we dug a pit on our way up the mountain too. That was a similar aspect, um, to what we were skiing. Okay. On the first run or the second run? On uh, the first run on our, on our way up in the morning. Oh, okay. At Hatch, Hatch Mountain? Uh, yeah. On the way, on the way up to Hatch Mountain. So then you're like, that was a cool uh, run. And then you're you're cruising back up and you see a pocket that slid. How, how deep was the pocket that you noticed had slid out? Um, hard to say cause we were fairly far away, but it didn't look very deep, probably only a few inches. Oh, okay. What do, was it skier triggered or? Yeah. A skier had, uh, kind of gone out skiers left over. Everybody had been riding, um, and had kind of, uh, hard to say if it was actually a ski cut, but kind of skied onto the slope a little bit and then triggered it. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But so, it was shallow enough and they were above it. So they were, they were fine. They didn't get caught. Okay. Or, gotcha. You know, tripped so then up. you guys decide you want to press on to April bowl. Was it April bowl? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we decided we want to get another run in before we go back to the car. Uh, so we go up this little ridge and, uh, for a variety of reasons, I'm like a little frustrated at this point in the day. Uh, uh, I was rather foolishly a little hungover that morning, so I was a little low on energy for sure. And then um, the we kind of lost the light on the first run, so it had gone from nice, like really beautiful broken sunshine on the way up to super flat, total vertigo, and uh, kind of had to ski really slow, and it wasn't very much fun on the way down on that run, so... I was uh, I was a little frustrated. Vertigo with a hangover. 
Yeah, yeah, not the most, not the most fun. I'd sweated off most of the hangover by that point, but not a lot of energy. Um, so we go up, we uh, we boot up a little section there uh, up to the top of April Bowl, and uh, the sun breaks as we're getting our gear on, and uh, I'm super stoked, like, and kind of get in a hurry. Um, and uh, kind of kind of push the group to you know get our gear on and get get going and of course since I'm chomping at the bit, everybody's uh, like, "Well, go ahead, go ski first. And I thought I knew where I wanted to end up at the end of the the end of the line, but I uh, I skied a little too far down instead of cutting higher to skiers left um, to get out of the little bowl there that kind of feeds down into the lower gully. Um, so. So I skied down a little too far, and then the rest of the group, the rest of my party came down. Uh, snowboarder stayed high, and then the skier came a little closer to me because it was easier for her to get around. Um, so she kind of hollered at me and said, oh, you know, we got to go up a little bit, and we'll just traverse over uh, to where the uh, – to get back to our line to get back to the road and back to the car. Um, so we sidestep up a little bit. And, uh, and then kind of go to traverse across this little mole, which if you're skinning up kind of the main road there at Hatcher's, it'd be on your looker's left side, um, looking up towards April Bowl. Um, so the snowboarder goes across and then the skier goes across and then I go last and we weren't quite practicing good backcountry travel at this point. We were kind of, I was maintaining some separation from the person in front of me, but we weren't like doing good island of safety to island of safety and eyes on each time. Um, How much room were you leaving um, f- between, between? You and the, the skier in front of you? Uh, oh, not enough. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe seven or ten meters at the most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not a lot. Um, but yeah. So I kind of slowly traversed out into this little gully, and um, I, you know, didn't really think twice about the snow because um, what we'd been on earlier was felt pretty uh, wind blown, not so much wind loaded, but pretty firm, and then. What I was on at that point was felt scoured, so I kind of assumed that that slope had been scoured. Can um, you describe to the listeners who maybe not, um, who maybe don't know what wind scoured means? Oh, it just means like compacted, and um, you know, like when wind is blown over snow a long time, it's become very firm. Uh, you know, you step on it, you don't sink in at all. Uh, you fall down on it, and you'll scrape your hand because it's rough. So like my skis would like leave a little bit of a little bit of mark in it from the edge, but not not very much. Um, so I skied out into the little gully there, and then it, it all kind of happened at once. Like there was a lot of sound of the snowpack collapsing, so all the whooping is like one of the classic right um, signs of snow instability is hearing a whoop noise of the snowpack settling when you step on it and it's quite loud so what i heard was like a whole bunch of whoops all at once and then 
the snow just kind of turned into a jigsaw puzzle around me and started moving. And uh, pretty much as soon as, like it took me a second to really realize what was happening and what was starting. Um, but then kind of once I did, I started yelling at my partners really loud to get away and look at me at the same time. Um, you know, to try to keep an eye on where I was going with the slide and then also to stay clear of it. Tyler, that's an amazing reaction and survival instinct to have. When you're like, when you're watching the earth around you sort of crumble and fall apart and, and still you know that your partners need to have eyes on you while protecting themselves to minimize patience. You know, all doing all this in split seconds. Well, um, I'm fortunate that I've, I've trained a fair bit in both doing like an AVI course a long time ago. And then I worked as a glacier guide for a long time in Juneau. So did a lot of emergency preparedness stuff with that. And uh, I've also been a woofer for a bunch of years. So, you know, that training really kicks in when you get that big hit of adrenaline. Um, and uh, I would say it definitely did during the ride as well. Um, so basically I felt the snow go out from under me and knew that I wasn't skiing out of it, that I was going for the ride. And then at that point I tried to get in the, the um, swimming position, which if you're in white water, it's kind of sitting in a chair, putting your feet down river and trying to keep your head up and, and or an avalanche is the same idea as you want to keep your head up and your feet down slope of you. Um, so I tried to do that and then a whole bunch of snow hit me and flipped me forward and sent my head downhill. Um, and that's what, at that point, uh, one of my skis ripped off and I let go of my poles, um, which I wasn't wearing pole straps, which is a good choice. You should not wear pole straps in avalanche terrain. Um, and, uh, then I was swimming. <laughs> so if you've ever swum whitewater, you know what it feels like to have the water push you around. Um, it's kind of like that, except it's like a chunky milkshake. So it pushes you a lot more and it's harder to move in. Um, so... There was a good chunk of the ride there where my head was pointed downhill and I was definitely under snow. And at that point, I was mostly just swiping snow away from my face, kind of doing like a, like a sort of breaststroke motion to just try to keep my airway clear and keep snow away from my, my mouth and my face. Um, after, you know, it's hard to say how much time, but, you know, because time really blurs in those kind of situations. But after a little bit, uh, I felt the slide start to slow down. And I was thinking, okay, okay, now I know as it starts to slow down, I need to create this air pocket in front of my face as much as I can and shove my hand up as much as I can. You know, I don't really know which way's up. I'm kind of guessing, but, you know, I know I need to give my rescuers the best chance they can to find me. Um, and so I'm thinking this and then I feel it accelerate again as it goes over like another little knoll oh, no. and I'm just like, 
oh no 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 like i don't know if i'm getting dumped into a gully into a terrain trap like oh no 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 right what what is happening um but in that situation as well i kind of got lighter and i kind of got sorted up to the top of the snowpack a little bit so i was able to kind of as i got lighter kind of turn my body around and get more into the better swimming position and then my head was back up above the snow which was an awesome feeling uh and it was still moving but i was able to just start swimming as hard as i could um you know doing like a backstroke uh kind of thing kind of a wide backstroke just to like push my torso and my head up out of the snow as much as i could to keep them out and to you know keep my my airway clear and uh and then it stopped and then i was sitting there half buried uh you know with snow all the way up against kind of the back of my back and my neck but like open in front you know it had kind of broken around me a little bit so um, partial burial but your head was out yeah yeah my torso and head were all exposed Mm-hmm. How far did, did you run with the slide? Um, looking at like Google Maps and trying to make a good guess, probably somewhere between 300 and 400 feet. Wow. Are you sore? Are you bruised? Any broken bones? <laughs> I was completely unscathed. Really? Not even, not even a twisted anything. Like... <sighs> My God. My, so my one ski was still buried and attached to my foot and I just like twisted out of it, twisted out of the binding real easy and then climbed up out of the snow and dug it out. And then like one ski and one foot post hold out, which was honestly, I was probably more sore from that than the ride itself. So you're missing a ski. <laughs> so I'm missing a ski and a pole. Yeah. Like I found one pole is on top of the debris pile. <laughs> Um, so the question of the hour, uh, were you wearing a beacon? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. We did a beacon check that morning too. Okay. You make me proud, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, am uh, strongly considering investing in an airbag now. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's definitely something to consider and there's lots of companies, um, that, have airbags and that have avalongs. Um, one of the sponsors of this podcast, Mammut, has um, airbags. And uh, so that's definitely something worth looking into, Tyler. And so after the hellacious single ski post hole epic, all the way out to the parking lot, um, did you and your partners debrief the experience at all? Oh, yeah, in a lot of ways. Um... Both of the like, so it was just kind of like a pain to get back to the road, basically. Uh, and then the, the road is, you know, snowy. And so we just skied, walked down that. Um, and that was pretty low key. It was just kind of tough to get back to that part. But um, we had a good, good little talk when we got back to the road. And then quite a long talk when we were in the car on the way back. Just they were both pretty shaken. Um, I think it was the first experience either of them or I had had with something this kind of severe i've been close to a couple of good-sized avalanches in the backcountry in the past but never around anything where anybody had been caught um so it was it was a pretty intense experience for everybody around and 
yeah, there was a lot of debrief that needed to happen. What were some of the key points that um, you walked away with? So, um, the things that the things that we kind of mostly took away from this um, were that you know we had been pretty safe through the whole day all the way up until the that point. We'd practiced good backcountry travel etiquette. Um, we had, you know, thought and talked about our route and the snowpack, but at the end of the day, um, I got in a hurry, mistake number one, um, and mistake number two, um, we had me ski first because of that, someone who didn't know the, didn't know the area, um, which put us in a situation where then we made a poor decision um, and across some terrain that we probably hadn't really stopped and thought about. Um, one in telling this story to some friends, one of them repeated the phrase to me of, uh, smelling the bar at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Back and to the barn syndrome is what we call it. it. Back to the barn syndrome. And that is exactly what caught us. Mm-hmm. We were all thinking about, Oh, this is just the easy little walk back to the car. You know, the easy little traverse back to the car, not the, like, traverse above potentially going to kill you slope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was a failure of, of vigilance on our part for sure. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the, for, like, more me personally, um, the kind of expert halo thing I mentioned earlier, I in retrospect was kind of along for the ride and I wasn't really thinking that hard about, you know, the terrain I was on and what I was doing. I was kind of just thinking about, um, getting back to the car Mm -hmm. and assuming it was fine because I was following some friends, some friends who knew more than you did. Classic mistake. Yeah. What can you tell our listeners at this point? Um, kind of wrapping up a conversation, Tyler, to help them, uh, in their preseason skiing? Well, you should definitely do all of the things that we did, uh, which are take avalanche classes. All of us were level one trained, um, practice with your equipment, which, uh, we, mm, I won't give us full points for that one, but we do a little bit. Um, and then also do the things that we didn't do, you know, uh, really, uh, be careful with your travel practices, you know, know the area, go with people that know the area. Um, take your time. Don't get in a hurry. I think, you know, part of the, part of the situation was that, um, typically the weather patterns are a little more straightforward and easier to manage down in, in Turnigan arm. And I think the, the, especially the wind effects up in hatchers are much more complicated. Um, and so that's maybe a variable that I am especially not used to dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as far as like your question with like what's relevant to like early season stuff, um, you know, just, you know, we did the tests and or we did a test and it, it showed stability, you know, it didn't move at all. We, we couldn't get a calm of snow to move in our pit at all. So, uh, you know, spatial variability is a reality. You know, the, the pit is a very small sample size. 
Yeah, and but, everything that you skied was that same aspect? Yeah, even actually the stuff that slid was a pretty similar aspect to what um, to what we dug on, but just in a different place and probably a different wind exposure. Yeah. And like... I mean, it, with early season considerations, maybe, you know, there's a there's basically an ice crust at the bottom right now up there. And we've had some warming events, which should hopefully kind of homogenize the snowpack. But um, it's definitely something that everybody, I think, needs to keep an eye on. There's been some natural slides up there. I know last week, if you looked at the at the website there, folks have, have posted up some pictures. Um, Do you see yourself going out? Anytime soon? Yeah, I went out last weekend. Oh, nice. <laughs> to Hatchers or to Turnigan? Yeah, to Hatchers. There's not enough snow in Turnigan to ski yet. Okay. But my uh, my same two friends that I was with that day and I were, you know, decided we need to we needed to go out and and have a good day. So uh, we went up and from the parking lot kind of skied up towards the the little village there and up towards I, i'm pretty sure it's micro dot but stayed really low basically and got up onto a nice little knoll and lapped like a 25 to 30 degree pitch like four times just <laughs> <laughs> kept it really chill yeah well good and, for you uh, good practice taking you know poked around in the snow that. a little bit <laughs> but yeah, we were all smiles at the end of the day, and that was that was the goal. Just you know, let's let's just relax. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you get you get kicked off the horse. You got to get back up on it. Thank you so much, Tyler, for being on the podcast. And if you're wondering about Tyler's missing Armada Norwalk ski, his friends rented a metal detector to attempt to locate it a few days after this all happened. Uh, the ski wasn't found because they use the type of metal detector that searches straight downward, but apparently you can rent ones that search outward in more of a cone shape, um, and Tyler told me he plans on renting one of these to try again. Hey, and thanks to all of you listeners. I want you to know that I actually make these podcasts for you. If you love The Sharpen, consider joining the American Alpine Club which makes this podcast possible. Members automatically get $12,500 in rescue coverage. So join or renew at AmericanAlpineClub.org. And thanks to the sponsors that make this happen. Mammut, Vertigo Medicine Resources, and the Colorado Outward Bound School. Vertigo Medicine Resources is a company specializing in medical solutions for climbers. Check out their new book, Vertical Aid, to learn more about chronic and acute injuries common to climbers and alpinists. And the Colorado Howard Bound School has been changing lives through challenge and discovery for more than 55 years. They offer wilderness expeditions in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Alaska, and Ecuador. And the courses, they range from 8 to 81 days in length for ages 12 plus and include backpacking, mountaineering, rafting, canyoneering, and rock climbing. So visit www.cobs.org to plan your next adventure. Until next time, play hard and be smart. <laughs>